This recording is a production of Faith Builders Resource Group. This recording was made at REACH 2017, held on March 23 and 24, 2017, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Welcome, all of you. Today I'm excited to introduce our speaker for this session. Leonard lives in Harrison, Arkansas, with his wife and three sons. He serves there both as a pastor and as a as part of the administration team at Hillcrest Home, a job which he has worked in for almost 12 years. During these years of ministry, he has heard, felt, and thought of many excuses to live an easier life. And he is concerned about the enemy hindering God's work because we tend to quit when things become difficult. So today, he will be speaking to us about longevity and mission. Would you mind coming up out very briefly? Let's pray. Thank you, God, for Leonard's willingness to share his experiences with us. Please give him a clear mind and give us ears to listen. Please bless all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for that. God bless you for coming. Um, didn't know what kind of an audience I would get. Um, so I'm glad for each one of you that can be here. Come on in. All right, I'm just curious who I'm, who I'm speaking to. Uh, how many of you have been in organized ministry for over, uh, let's say, six years, more than six years? Okay, number of you. Okay, uh, how many of you are in organized ministry for two years or less? All right. And how many of you have never been in organized ministry? Okay. Okay. All right. Um, so we have a mix here, and uh, I wasn't sure where, how to aim uh, on what what we have. But I care about where you are and what you will do in the future. And uh, we live in a generation of quitters. Uh, whether it's churches or marriages or jobs or whatever. And, um, yeah, I'm just curious, what brought you to the session? Uh, I'd like to hear, we're a small enough group, let's just share quickly, uh, what brought you to the session? Was it discouragement? Was it, what? If I go into long-term ministry, what will it take? Or, uh, your pointers? Or, yeah, just a number of you share. Some of you may be here because of who you're sitting. You get to sit beside. But uh, if, you, if that's the case, you can say that. What, what brought you here? Yes. Uh, looking into going in, into long-term ministry. Okay. So. Let's... All right. Been in, yeah, we've been in ministry for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably close to ten years, and, and thinking ahead to the future, it looks like we may be for a while longer. And just interested in tips. And married to someone yes, who's in that's exactly. Think <laughs> about burnout. <laughs> I wish my wife would. <laughs> you can talk with her for a long time. Great. Over here somewhere. Part of a mission, just uh, looking to hear some tips on retaining long-term missionaries as well. Okay. Yes. Same. Same. I'm also getting into long-term missions. 
Okay. Hopefully, Lord willing, starting the end of May. So, just wanted to hear what you got. Yes. What do you say is long term? Well, <laughs> I need to find that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll get to that. Anyone else? I keep from burning out. Yes, I keep from burning out. If I stand up here and cry, it's just the way I, I do it. <laughs> Weeping prophet, I guess. But uh, so it's not nothing about you. But um, <clears throat> we heard it this morning. If you were here for the opening session, we are in a war. We're in a fight against evil, between right, wrong, light, and darkness, and uh, we're in it whether we're in organized ministry or not. And when I say, and I, I, I tend to speak in general terms. So, you know, there's exceptions. Don't take anything in what I say and say, whoa, whoa. But uh, general terms, there's exceptions to everything almost. But when I'm saying uh, long-term ministry, I'm saying more than two, five years. You know, we're, we're, we're in it for the long haul. Uh, maybe 10, maybe 40 whatever. Uh, that's what I'm saying. And then I'm saying organized ministry. You may be a pastor. You may be a teacher in for the long haul. You may be a kids club uh, guru for years or, or missionary or uh, faith builders. Or, you know, any, any organized ministry. Uh, and I'll use the storage barn builder as the other just as an icon. I love storage barn builders. I mean, we, we're Americans, and so we have too much stuff, so we need storage barns, so we need people's needs, storage barns. But, you know, just the day laborer, excuse me for saying just, the day laborer who loves God with all his heart and has a family man and, and that kind of thing. Um, and, and I want to talk about that, the ministry that that is. But that's the extreme, or, or the other side of the picture, Christianity lived out that way, and Christianity lived out as a preacher, teacher, missionary type of uh, person. Um, so that's what I'm talking about when I say organized ministry for, for long-term and long-term ministry. All right. Uh, refer to your, your papers there. Question number one, what are advantages of long term? Let's make a list. You've been in it. You've seen advantages. What are advantages of long term? Building relationships. <clears throat> Building relationships, okay? It takes time to build relationships. If you work with a specific people group, you understand their culture better? Understanding culture, yes. Whether it's uh, whether it's domestic or foreign, everybody has culture. Business has culture. An organization has a culture. Uh, people you minister to with your organization has a culture. So being in a long term, you be better at that. You understand? Very good. What else? Your words carry more weight, and your impact is stronger. Yes, I appreciate that. Uh, if you've had experience, you're an authority on the matter, okay? So you're, yeah, your words carry more weight. 
and you learn how to use the roots <clears throat> to make them carry weight. Just general consistency. Yes. Mm -hmm. I think you get an appreciation for the people, <clears throat> also for them. Yes, <clears throat> learn to love, appreciate. It's a blessing to the administrator and the board in finding out. I work at Hillcrest, and we get young people. I always used to wonder, what's the matter with these BS units? They're always looking for help. Until I went, and, and then I started just looking at it seriously and think with me, if we would need 52 volunteers and they'd all stay a year, how often would we need a replacement? Once a week. Well, it's not quite that bad progress. I mean, we need 45 approximately, and they stay 15 months or more, so... But we still need three replacements every month. So there may be some things wrong with Hillcrest, but because we're looking for help all the time, that's not necessarily something that's wrong with it. It's just the nature of things. Young people, a year is a long time for a 20-year-old. They have things they want to do, start businesses, marry women, and <coughs> stuff like that. They don't want to just stay in one spot. You'll see the world. And go to Greece and go to other places and so it's a, it's a turnover and but you know what if you're a young person and you haven't been to BS yet what's three more months or six or twelve in fact the time flies so fast at a BS unit you might as well sign up for two years and the same way on the mission field it's in your head what you sense your mind makes all the difference. Now, so these are advantages. Now, I just want to say that not everybody is called to organize ministry long-term. God is just not that boring. God is original, and he has a different plan for, for each person. But at the same time, Satan wants to do all he can to keep people from ministering, from being, his, from being God's servants. So, yeah, and, and the advantages, I, I just keep, keep coming back to the big thing is the longer you do something, the better you get at it. If I want a doctor to have a doctor work on my heart or my brain, which needs help frequently, <laughs> uh, I would not want one who has just graduated. I would want one who has a bunch of success stories behind me. I would want too old but uh, <laughs> one who has uh, some experience, all right? And, and it's just that way. You go to help people with their souls, you're going to get better at it. You're going you're gonna to love Jesus more and therefore be able to love people better. So ex the, the big advantage that I see is experience. It's huge. Take the church setting. You, you anytime rather be pastored by a seasoned, softened, loving, fatherly pastor than a young, cocky, know-it-all, um, whatever pastor. So just, just keep that in mind. All right, now, those are advantages. Quickly now, 
the disadvantages or the difficulties, the drawbacks uh, that you may face or may have heard about in, in, in long-term ministry? Burnout. Burnout. Stuck in a rut and not willing to change. Yes, stuck. What point does that happen? <laughs> That's the point of this talk, I guess. <laughs> it's up to you. <laughs> Keep that question in mind, though. That's a good one. Other drawbacks, difficulties. Being disconnected from your home community. Okay. Can be a Drawback. Could be financial considerations. Okay, yes. Mm-hmm. It's harder to release someone who has outlived their productivity, you know, when a missionary, or when there's problems or something, yeah. and they have mm-hmm. signed up to be long term. Yeah. It's harder to dismiss them. Mm-hmm. All right, I appreciate that. Uh, some of those, and probably all of them, sometimes those drawbacks are legitimate and sometimes they're not. So we can't really can't really make a blanket statement uh, about those things. All right, what mindset is needed to remain in ministry? We'll <clears throat> cover that on the other side of the paper. Number three, what is often behind great-sounding excuses to quit? Number one is the enemy, Satan. He does all he can to get people to quit. Quit being productive, quit serving, quit uh, go home where it's comfortable. And uh, that being connected to your home community, that can be a legitimate thing. It can be an excuse that Satan uses. <coughs> Finances was mentioned. That can be a legitimate concern. It can be an excuse. But at, when it is an excuse, when it is not God's will to quit, you can know it's Satan behind it. And I, I wish, I mean, just speaking from example, people that come to Hillcrest, I wish they would pray hard, and most of them do, because I keep preaching it at them. At them but um, I wish most people would automatically pray as hard about finding God's will, the one to leave Hillcrest, as they did to come. Mm-hmm. You just get something in their head and it's stuck there that implies something for 15 months. A long-term missionary in uh, Nicaragua told me that, uh, Tim Rock told me that so much energy is wasted by missionaries trying to decide when to go home. And, and I would just like to say that we aren't home until we're home, okay? And wherever we live, we're living at our home away from home. Let's get that in our heads. That is just, and usually people refer to the community they were born in or grew up in. 
So, okay, you can refer to that as home, but you're at home, away from home, away from home. Let's get this pilgrim mentality back into our heads, and that will make such a huge difference. We'll be at home wherever God has us, away from home. <laughs> I just have to say this. Oh, I wish I'd have two hours to talk. But I grew up in Indiana, lived there for 30 years, over 30 years, and then God called us to go to Arkansas. And all of a sudden, I got started asking a question that I was never asked before in my 33-whatever years of life. The people say, oh, you're Hillcrest, Arkansas. Okay, how long do you plan to stay? Mm. I lived in Indiana for over 30 years, and nobody ever asked me the question, oh, you live in Indiana, how long do you plan to stay? Duh, how do I know? I mean, this is where God put me, and I'll stay till he puts me somewhere else. I don't know. But it's that mentality. It showed a lack of the pilgrim mentality that we pilgrims and strangers are supposed to have. No, I understand people. I'm not being judgmental, but it just it hit me. Well, what's, what's up with this? <laughs> you know the feeling. Okay, so um, the enemy is behind anything. And little irritations. The enemy's behind it. Alright, unwillingness to make sacri- uh, to sacrifice or make changes. So this can come in the form of family or extended family. Uh, God may ask us to make lifestyle changes. Uh, there may be relational difficulties or disagreements that we face with team members in our unit or uh, mission or school or whatever. And and it calls us to make sacrifices. It calls us to make changes. And if we're not willing to do that, we quit. Unwillingness to trust God. This can be a, we, this can be affected by our children. What's going to happen with our children? Uh, who are they going to marry? Or finances? Uh, what stuff? Stuff that that we really need to trust God for. We should trust God for that, whether we're building storage barns or whether we're uh, in Indonesia. A wrong concept of Christianity, and this is maybe my biggest point of this whole talk, and I'll hit it again. Um, A wrong concept of Christianity outside of organized ministry. What's our view of Christianity? A wrong view of Christianity is often behind excuses to quit. All right, number four, what causes burnout? I listed three things. Doing what we were not meant to do. Uh, We all understand that, that if we're we're doing something that God, more than God wants us to do or uh, whatever, then we will, he won't give us the grace for it. If we're doing that, what we're supposed to do with the wrong motive um, that will cause burnout as well. And that can be revealed and purified through criticism or ineffectiveness or even fatigue. It can reveal to us that we're doing something the wrong way. Doing it in our own strength instead of God's strength. Those three things will, will cause burnout. Now, will you always get these three things right? No. And so, will you burn out sometimes? Maybe. But just to help you be aware that these are things that 
you can almost always point back to one of these that is causing you to burn out. And we, it causes a, we have to get before God and try and you know, ask him what's going on. Uh, maybe the, uh, the way to analyze where you are is think about it in the positive. What energizes that's what I'm supposed to be doing. Okay. Now there's another thing that that I that uh, is also this be, that is behind excuses to quit, and that may cause burnout. And that's stressful relationships. That's for both of those stressful relationships, and it calls for humility, uh, sacrifice, and being willing to face just face it, um, and just be humble. Be willing to do what it takes. To humble yourself before that brother or sister and face the difficulty and talk and talk and talk till it is talked through and confess and confess and forgive or whatever it takes to lay yourself down in complete humility and surrender. All right. Should there be, number five, should there be a difference between the Christianity of, of a Christian who is not involved in organized ministry and that of one who is? Marcus, please come up here. And, uh, What's your name? Jethro. Jethro. Marcus, you stand right here. Jethro, you come over here. All right. So, Marcus, you are a storage barn builder. All right. And uh, uh, Jethro, you are the preacher, teacher, missionary, organized ministry man. All right. So, uh, now I want to ask you a question. This is not a trick question. It's really a no brainer, but I think we need to go there because we need to go there. Right, so is it okay for Marcus, the storage barn builder, to love God less, to love people less, because he's just a storage barn builder? Is it okay for him to love God and people less than Jordan? No. Jethro. Jethro. <laughs> Jethro. Because he's involved with people. Is it okay? No. No, let's say no. Okay, thank you. All right. So is it okay for Marcus, the storage barn builder, to be less willing to sacrifice than Jethro? No. no. Is it okay for him to be more selfish in daily life than Jethro? No. 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 And is it okay for him to be more worldly or earthly minded? No. 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 Thank you. Point me. <laughs> One big reason people don't stay in organized ministry long term is because they have a wrong view of what it means to be a Christian, like Marcus, outside of being in organized ministry. Okay? When we signed up to follow Jesus, we need to be like the missionaries of yesteryear who packed their belongings in their own casket wow. and went across the world to be missionaries. That's the kind of Christians we need to be, whether we're in organized ministries or building storage barns. You understand that? Because Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, you have to take up your cross. In our language, we would say, pack your casket because you'll need it because following Jesus is going to kill you if you haven't decided to die you might as well give up on following Jesus that's what it's about and we don't have that mentality 
enough as storage barn builders. And that makes so that when God calls us into long-term ministry, we don't have what it takes. Because we never made the commitment back here in following Jesus, and then we don't have what it takes to stay in it here. Because all of a sudden, we it's demanded of us to make all these sacrifices, die to self, make changes, become a loving person, be willing to not be grouchy when we feel grouchy, because we're working with people and all of that stuff. That's probably my biggest point in this whole talk. What is your picture of a normal Christian? <clears throat> Many people are not in ministry today because they or their spouse has a wrong view of being a Christian, a wrong view of following Jesus. They're not willing to sacrifice. And let me just use uh, the marriage, a woman, being willing to sacrifice their husband's time. For example, if you are, are marked a storage barn builder, uh, maybe every mo Monday night he goes and plays ball. Now his wife would say, yeah, I always play ball on Monday nights, but yeah, it's okay. But if he's over here and has something that demands him every Monday night, you know what? His wife is under attack. And it's so much easier for a woman to let her husband go play ball every Monday night than it is for what following Christ demands over here. And the difference is he's waging war here. And playing ball, he's not waging war. Now, you can go play ball and do it for the kingdom, too. I'm not against playing ball on Monday nights, but I'm just saying it's a difference in what your wife will go through. For you as women, it's a difference in what you will go through depending where you are because of what you're doing and the purpose. Now, I say, storage barn builder, go play ball Monday night, but do it with intent. Do it with a purpose. Take your wife along. Have her minister to the women that are there. It doesn't matter are we building storage barn big playing ball or are we it's we're following Jesus that's the point man I mean play ball less but you still get my point mm -hmm. being in his will the greatest God I'm just going to have to move on quick now what if Moses would have said uh, 40 years into his project you know, I'm, I'm sick of this my kids need something and uh, and, and said, God, you're going to have to get somebody else to lead the children, <laughs> children of Israel the rest of the way. Or Caleb at 80 years old said, I'm, I'm done. I'm 80 years old. Are you kidding? <laughs> no, he said, I'm just as strong as I was when I was 40. Or if Jesus would have stopped short of his work, we wouldn't be here. We'd all still be lost. We can't, we can't do that. Um, now Moses, he, he did send his wife and kids to her parents for a while. <laughs> That's kind of intriguing. I don't know what that was all about. <laughs> all right, turn your page. What does it take to be successful long term? <clears throat> we need a correct view of what it means to be a Christian, a follower, a disciple of Jesus. We need that pack your belongings in your casket mentality. That's what it would take. I decided to take up my instrument of death follow Jesus. Take up my cross and follow him. And so when I face a difficulty, oh, yes! This is what I decided to do! 
This is the process of dying to self. That's the mentality we need. Rejoicing in tribulation. Rejoicing in difficulties. Rejoicing in opportunities to sacrifice. And it's okay to acknowledge, this really hurts. But yet, you know, it, it takes practice. <laughs> you don't get there overnight. Okay? All right. Pace yourself. And number 12. Number 12 is what you need to remember for these references. I was blessed when these, these things, I was praying and these things came to me, that the number 12. So this will help us remember. Pace yourself. Hebrews 12. Quickly read that. Um, we have Hebrews 12, we have Corinthians 12, we have Romans 12, and some other 12s. Hebrews 12. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. So it's a race of endurance. Get that into your head. This is not a race of speed. It's a race of endurance. So you've got to pace yourself. And that, whatever that means for you in your work, you have to give yourself enough rest time. You have to. You can't just burn yourself out because you, it, this is a race of endurance. Run with patience. All right. And the whole chapter then talks talks about chastisement and all that good stuff that makes you better in the long haul. That's what it's about. Hebrews twelve. So, but remember, run with patience, with endurance, the race. And this is my wording, the race that is yours, all right? It's not somebody else's race. It's not tomorrow's race. It is your race today. How many of you feel that you'll have enough grace to make it through today? Let me see your hands. I'll make sure. Everybody's hands up. I don't want to let anybody... Okay, so you all are have enough faith to know that God's going to get you through today. That's all you need. That is all you need. And part of today is to plan for tomorrow. But you don't need the grace today for tomorrow. I could keep running. <laughs> I didn't get my exercises this morning. So, uh, okay, so I can keep going. I can keep going today. And that's what—that's the mentality. I mean, check out the whole chapter. Say Hebrews 12 together. Hebrews 12. Again, Hebrews 12. Number two, do less so God can do more. And this is 2 Corinthians 12. Say with me. 2 Corinthians 12. All right, let me read those. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7. Unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. Lest I should be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength, ooh, my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities or my limitations that the power of Christ may rest upon me. The power of Christ. Therefore, I take pleasure. 
I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This is a crazy, paradoxical uh, principle in Christianity. Where our weakness, our limitations, doing less, being able to do less, actually enables God to do more. Over and over I'm like, God, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? The places where this hits me is sleep. There's so much to do. I wish I wouldn't have to sleep, but an, a, an hour or two a day, how much more could I get done? But God values sleep evidently because he made so that a third of our lives we have to spend sleeping. A third of our lives. If you think you can cut that short, I work in a nursing home. It's not true. You'll catch up when you're old. <laughs> you will. You might as well subject yourself to, to knowing that you need to spend about a third of your life sleeping. I face it too in prayer and in solitude. Taking time to do less work, taking the time away from doing less work, and spending that time in prayer and with Christ because of my weaknesses, my limitations, then when I do go out, he will do more. Oh, that's hard. That is so hard. Especially depending on the personality. All right, number three. Correct view of suffering. I don't think I'll turn to that. We all know Romans 12, 1. Say that. Romans 12, 1. You know what it says. I beseech you, never brother, by the mercy of God, that ye present your body, say it with me, a living sacrifice. Yes. Holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. A living sacrifice. And in 1 Peter, the book of 1 Peter, write this reference down. 1 Peter. If you want to study on suffering, 1 Peter is awesome. Every chapter in 1 Peter talks about suffering. And if you're going to be following Jesus long term, whether it's building storage barns or whether it's in organized ministry, you need a mentality to suffer. The words in 1 Peter are, since Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourself, arm yourself with the same mind. In other words, you need the mindset of suffering. The mentality that I signed up for suffering. That's what you need if you're going to stay in it long term. And that suffering comes in all kinds of shapes and forms. And the, the hard part of it is usually we don't recognize it as, as enemy resistance. Usually it's just my husband being a jerk or, or my son's making it difficult or... Uh, whoever I'm working with is just doesn't have it. Or, it comes in those. But over and over, my wife and I, we, we, we say, you know what? If we're suffering this, or if this pain, or whatever, this difficulty that we're going through, if this is what we're going through because the kingdom of God is being forward, uh, being Advanced. Yes, thank you. If this is what we're going through because the kingdom of God is being advanced, then, oh, we can do this. 
I mean, if this is what it means, if this is what it's about, we can do this. Bring it on. I'm willing. Now, this isn't killing me. It's just unhandy. Or it's just a pain or it's just something. Bring it on. Because I'm willing to do that if it means that the kingdom is being advanced. And all of you, the reason you're here, I know you're that way too, or you wouldn't be here. You want the kingdom of God advanced. There's nothing you want more. And so we need to connect our suffering, the, the difficulties we go through, we need to connect that, that this is our opportunity to advance the kingdom. It's part of it. We need to connect it with that spiritual warfare, and that, that helps us. All right, number four. Fight. Spiritual warfare is a fight. Ephesians 6.12. Okay, so we, here we, we have that 12 again, but it's half 6.12. 6.12. Ephesians, say that with me. Ephesians 6.12. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities and powers, the spiritual, spiritual world. It's a spiritual wrestling. So it's, the point I want to make is we wrestle. It's a fight. We wrestle. We struggle. We, and, and, and we get pinned down here, but then we keep on struggling and we pin it back down, okay? Just like somebody who's wrestling. We wrestle spiritually, and we keep on wrestling. We keep on wrestling. We have to know that we signed up for something that's difficult. That's, that's what it's all about, difficulty. All right. And Jesus wrestled all night in prayer, Luke 6, 12. I want to keep moving because I want a little time for questions and, and discussion. <clears throat> Number five, give God instead of giving of yourself. Many times people might ask, how can you just keep giving of yourself? Well, that's, we're not giving of ourselves. We need to, we give God in us. In fact, John 12, 24, okay, so you can remember that because you doubled it. 12, 24 says, unless a grain of wheat falls in the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. So it's not giving of yourself, it's dying of yourself back to you doing less so God can do more. So you die. Just give up. Just die. Say, God, I can't. That's so freeing when I discover that I don't have to feel like I like you. Okay? You're, you're so unhandy to work with or to work for. I'm sorry, I'm targeting you. I need to target somebody. <laughs> At that, and you're such a jerk and I don't like you. <laughs> Yeah, you patch her up later. So, I don't like you, and I don't feel that. It's okay for me to go, no, I just really don't like her. But you know what? I love you. Okay? Because it's not my love. It's God's love in me. And, and I, I, I'm deciding I'm going to be willing. And then I love you. Even though I don't like you, I love you. That is so freeing. That is so freeing. It's not us. It's God's love in us. I don't have to feel like I love you. It's, but I, all I need to do is be willing. Don't give up yourself. Let yourself die. Give God a chance. Because out of death comes life. Okay? And miracles won't happen unless there's suffering. We wonder, why don't we see more miracles? Because we don't need them. We're not willing to suffer. Okay, Luke 12, 12. The Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. And He won't only teach you what to say. He'll teach you what to do. He'll teach you how to be. He'll teach you how to think. So it's God. It has to be the Holy Spirit. Uh, and another reference that you might want to write down is John 1, 37 through 39. 
John 1, 37-39. That's where Jesus said, anybody who's thirsty, come to me to drink. If you believe in me, uh, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of life-giving water. Oh, I love that. And he said, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. So it's God in us. Okay, so we need to believe in Jesus. And out of our innermost being will and you'll have enough life for yourself because it'll be enough there. All right. We got five minutes. What? What have I sparked? Something you want to say amen to? Something you want to raise questions? Anything? Don't be afraid to. I was so blessed by point number two of doing less so God can do one. I've been teaching my students about the importance of, of rest and sleep being well and all that kind of stuff. But it felt still like there was a disconnect for me. Like what was I've also been trying to do it but but it gave me uh, a reason that it's okay. I would give a word of caution in the longevity okay. of ministry, that it yes. doesn't become our identity. Yes. And that we can't hold it with an open hand. Yes. God may want you there for a year or five or ten, but the eleventh year you might be done. That's right. So don't let it become so important to you that that's who you are. Yes. Our identity is in Christ and we hold this with an open hand. Yes. So. Often we love what God has given us. And, and, and if we leave it with an open hand, we'll be able to do it longer. Because if we don't have an open hand, it's more about us. Mm-hmm. And we'll burn out quicker. Mm-hmm. Or, or be not as good in the long term. We'll get stuck, like somebody was saying. The board won't know how to get rid of us. Excellent. I appreciate that. I've often wondered why um, long-term missions was not real popular, or however you want to say, why, why so many missionaries come back after two or three years. Um, and I think you really, uh, it really, really resonated with me. It's just our view of Christianity is outside of missions is not right to start with. If you are a storage barn builder, you do it with such great love for God. I mean, that should be a ministry right there. You may not do anything special, even in evenings or weekends or church offices or anything, but you may, that's the world needs plumbers who love God like crazy. And everywhere they go, they are life-giving. That is so beautiful. That is so beautiful. If we get that right, sometimes we need to come over here in the organized ministry to teach us how to do this. <laughs> it's kind of backwards. I was going to say, what if your uh, what if your boss doesn't share the same vision that you have, and he's like, "Well, you can serve God right here building barns. I mean, why go to?" Somewhere else. Yeah. That's hard. Yeah. Any answers for that?
that sometimes part of suffering for Christ too? Well, I welcome more dialogue later, uh, but I would, would do want to say this though, and this is probably assumed, but the, the, the thing that's going to take you through long term is your your love relationship with Jesus. If you don't view God as your loving Heavenly Father and you have an intimate relationship with Jesus, you can't you can't do well. That's we have to. That has to be our source. And I just thought of that earlier today. I, I, I assumed it too much, <laughs> but now I need to emphasize that it's got to be about Jesus because you love Jesus so much. Let me pray for you, Heavenly Father. Thank you so much for this group of people who love you and want to love you more and want your kingdom to come and your will to be done. I pray your blessing on them that they would serve you with all their hearts and love you so much and believe in the power of the Holy Spirit in them that out of their innermost being would flow rivers of life-giving stuff. God, bless them in that. In whatever they're doing, in whatever you've led them to do, uh, at home or away from home, just bless them in learning the mentality of what being a true Christian is. This recording and many others are available from Christian Learning Resource, the campus bookstore at Faith Builders. For more information, call 1 814 789 4769 or visit us online at www.christianlearning.org.